Uh, I am excited to share with you from Romans chapter 6. We've been in this great book for the last seven weeks, and uh, today it, it uh, is a very, very um, applicable, applicable um message for all of us, I believe, and um, I'm excited to share it with you. It's been a great week. Uh, IGMA has been in town. Several of you have attended uh, the concerts over the last few nights, and it was, I got to tell you, it was really great to pull into a parking lot on a Friday and Saturday night uh, and see, and Thursday, and see a parking lot just full of cars uh, praising the Lord uh, through the week, and so that's been really, really good. Um, over the past couple of months, we've, we've been talking about how this great letter to the church at Rome that Paul has written uh, spoke to the church then, but it also speaks to us a couple thousand years later, and we've learned that, that uh, the gospel is not just for a select few, the gospel is for everyone. We've learned that it's powerful. We've learned that it needs to be shared uh, in a balanced way. We need to show the love of Christ and preach the love of God to all people, but we also need to let people know that there is a thing called God's wrath that we are subject to if we are not in Christ. And we've also seen that we cannot judge anyone based on who we are or who we think we are. We cannot judge anyone based on nationality or race or any certain type of church that God loves all people. And we've seen that God wants all people to be a part of his family. Chapter three, we saw there's no one righteous and the only way you can become righteous is through Jesus Christ. And then uh, the past couple of weeks we saw that while we were still powerless, while we were sinners, Christ died for us so that we didn't have to face death and that Adam's sin brought death into the world, but because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, He has brought us life and He has given us grace and we have this powerful, powerful thing uh, called the grace of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that covers even the most uh, heinous of sins if we repent and if we're baptized into Christ. And that brings us uh, to Romans chapter 6. Now before I read from Romans chapter 6, We've got a special treat for you here uh, this morning. As I mentioned, IGMA has been in town all week, and uh, this trio uh, sang Thursday and Friday night. Victorious Trio is with us this morning. Guys, you can come on up here if you want. Uh, yeah, go ahead and make them welcome if you don't mind. Turn the yellow mic on. Okay. Everybody got what you need there? Okay, good. Uh, but uh, they sang uh, Thursday night. And the song that they did, I'm sitting up there thinking, man, I wish our people could hear this song Sunday morning. And it just so happens that I heard that they were going to plan to be here Sunday morning to worship with us, just to worship with us. And I thought, well, <laughs> thank you, Lord. And uh, so I've asked them to be here this morning. Uh, again, welcome to the Victorious Trio. Listen to this song, guys. Check. We're good.
His heart was broken, mine was mended. He became sin, now I am clean. The cross he carried bore my burden. The nails that held him set me free his life for mine his life for mine how could it ever be that he would die God's son would die Save a wretch like me, what love divine, he gave his life for mine. His scars of suffering brought me healing, he spilt his blood to fill my soul His crown of thorns made me royalty His sorrow gave me joy untold His life for mine His life for mine how could it ever be that he would die, God's son would die, to save a wretch like me, what love divine, he gave his life for mine he was despised and rejected stripped of his garment and oppressed i am loved and accepted and i wear a Die, God's son would die.
I get a good idea every once in a while. Good job, guys. Thank you so much. I tell you, Rich has become a, a good friend. I tell you what, we're such good friends, he, he agreed to go golfing with me once. That's how good a friend he is, and that, that took a little while, didn't it? That was a long day for you, I know, but I appreciate it. Um, but thank you for that message. Thank you for that song, Rich and Linda Sue, Cheryl, Mark. Thanks for being here, too. Uh, it's, been, it's been a great week. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Romans 6, as I mentioned, beginning with verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with Him in death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again, and death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. In the same way, Paul says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may uh, obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under Grace, that's verse 14. Um, since Jesus is alive, how has that changed you? What impact is the fact that He was once dead, He's now alive, what impact has that had on, on your life? How has that changed the way you view things? How has that changed the way you do things? There's not a single event in human history that has been as impactful as the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Not only did it change history, but it changed your future as well. But it's not for everyone. The Bible says it's only for those who call on the name of the Lord, who choose to live their lives as if the resurrection really happened, as if the resurrection really mattered to them. So let's look at what that means to us. The first thing is this. You need to understand that life begins at the cross. Jesus gave His life for mine. He gave His life for yours. That's where your life begins. A lot of times we think, well, you know what, that, that begins whenever we entered into this world. No, real life, true life, everlasting life begins when you surrender your life to Christ and you realize and you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross. Life begins at the cross. And people who don't understand what God has done for them through Jesus, they look at the cross, they just see that as an instrument of death. 
But here's what the cross is about. It's all about life because man, in his disobedience, fell short of God's standard for our, for our lives. And we were destined for this death sentence. And it wasn't just a physical death, even though that's a part of it. It wasn't just a physical death. It's a spiritual death as well that the Bible says would be apart from God forever. And as we read in Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned first and they brought sin and they brought death into the world. And every person who has ever walked the face of the earth from that moment on until now has been subject to that same sin nature. And because of that, you've been subject to that same punishment being spiritually dead and separated from God. And it took the death of Jesus to cure that. Because the Bible says He was the perfect Lamb who was sacrificed for our sins. He was without blemish. And He paid for our sins by His death on the cross. In Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, here's what he said in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But because of His great love for us, God who's rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. God sent His Son to the cross, but not only did He die for all of the sins of the world, all of those sins were placed upon Him. So so God placed our sins on Jesus And then He took the righteousness of Jesus, the perfection of Jesus, and He placed that on us. That's a game changer, folks. I don't know if you've really stopped to think seriously about what that means to us. That we were once dead in our sins, and God took all of our sins, put them on Jesus, but then took the perfection, the holiness, the purity of Jesus, and He placed it on us. And so now when He looks at us, as if we are in Jesus, it's as if we have never sinned. That's a game changer. Instead of God pouring out His wrath on us, He poured out His wrath on Jesus when He was on the cross. And as painful... And as agonizing as the crucifixion was physically to Jesus, I believe the greatest pain for Jesus was when God poured out His wrath on Him. When God turned His face from His one and only Son and said, I can't, I can't look at Him. I'm, I'm going to allow Him to suffer everything that hell has to throw at Him. And die. So that you all can live. His one and only son. I've told you all this before. I've got two sons. And even on their worst day. I wouldn't even consider giving one of them up for you. Jesus. God's one and only son went to the cross and died. But here's the deal. Even though Jesus had to die to pay for our sins, we have to die to ourselves. See, we don't just get this free ticket to say, okay, Jesus died. Hey, everything's good. Everybody's just going to make it to heaven, okay? Right? No. We have to die to ourselves, the Bible says. Paul says in verse 1 and 2 of our text, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Here's the deal. You know, if... If you want to experience the resurrection, you you first have to die, right? You cannot be resurrected 
if you didn't die. I think. I mean, I think that's science, isn't it? Kendall, you're an educator. Is that science? You were English major. You don't really know for sure. All right. But anyway, um, it, you, you cannot resurrect if you have not died. And so you have to die this spiritual death to yourself where you say, I'm no longer going to live for myself, but I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to live for Jesus. And sometimes I really like to share what the message paraphrase says because I think it really uh, illustrates for us uh, what is, is being said in, in our language a little bit better. We understand what, what God is saying to us sometimes uh, maybe a little more clearly. Here's, here's how uh, the message paraphrase says this. So what do we do? keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace Sovereign country. Since we died to sin, we've been resurrected into new life. We're no longer the same. We are new creations in Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that this morning, church? That you're not the same person that you used to be. And the way that I understand what Paul is saying here is that this, this, this happens at baptism. We die to ourselves... And we live the resurrected life that Jesus offers. And what happens nearly 100% of the time whenever uh, there's a death? What happens? There's a burial, right? I mean, most people who die are buried. You know, sometimes they're cremated and, you know, ashes are spread or whatever. But most of the time, you know, they're they're buried. That's, That's what it's about. You know, there's a funeral, there's a burial. That's what baptism is. You are dying to yourself. You're being buried into that watery grave and you come up out of the grave as a newborn believer in Jesus Christ. My good friend John Penn used to say the baptistry is a tomb and a womb. It's the tomb because we are buried with Christ in His death. It's the womb because we are born again through His resurrection. And through the blood of Jesus, which a lot of people don't like to talk about these days, oh, let's just you know forget that. Um, that's too gruesome. That's too gory. We don't want to talk about the blood of Jesus. But through the blood of Jesus, we have forgiveness of our sins according to His riches and His grace. So since Jesus died, we die to self. And because we are baptized into Christ. Our life now has this power. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, we're told that we are baptized uh, for the remission of our sins and we receive the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul said, actually it's uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins, right? And so the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead It changed everything because if he had not raised, he wouldn't have been who he said he was. Right? 
If Jesus had not come back to life, he would have gone down in history as like this great leader. And, and I can guarantee you, if, if, if he wasn't claiming to be God, there would have been way more even written about him in history books and whatever there was. But because he was claiming to be God, they just kind eh, yeah, yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to deal with that. But, but had he not made those claims and had he not come back uh, to life, then he would have just been this, you know, a guy in, in history. He'd have been a martyr for nothing. He would have maybe been a little bit of a deranged individual, um, some people think. In fact, that, that, that makes us think, you know, I know Spencer teaches this a lot in his Bible classes, that one of the, the greatest uh, apologetical questions that we got to ask ourselves is, was Jesus a liar, a lunatic, or was He indeed the Lord who walked the earth. If he'd not come back from the grave, if he'd just died on the cross and not come back from the dead, then he was either lying or he's crazy. Right? But the fact that he came back to life proves that he's the Lord. It proves that he's the Son of God. Paul tells us a couple chapters later in, in chapter 8, verse 11, and if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Jeremy Camp, the Christian singer, put it this way, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. Guys, that's powerful. We should not be living these, these defeated, purposeless, meaningless lives because we have the power of Jesus, the resurrection power living in our lives. The same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when He speaks lives in us. The same power that can calm a raging sea, it lives in us. He lives in us. And when we surrender our lives to Christ and we're baptized in Him and the Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives, we come to the understanding that the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us changes everything. It allows us to, to move from living this mundane, meaningless, purposeless life like I talked about a moment ago to living the abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. A life that's full of purpose. A life that's full of energy. A life that's full of victory. That's what, that's what God wants for you. That's why He sent Jesus, so you could experience this. There's a pretty popular show that's been running for 11 seasons or so. I've never watched it. So I don't want you to think I'm a fan when I put this up there, and some of you might even think it's inappropriate. I don't know. But send your, send your emails to the elders if you think that. Not me. Because sometimes they share what they get with me and sometimes they don't. They might not share it. So anyway, uh, uh, The Walking Dead. How many of you watch it? Don't raise your hand because then you'll, you'll be incriminated, right? I've never seen it. From what I understand, it's about zombies, so we know it's a true story. Uh, and and while, it's, while it's totally fictitious... Uh, it, it, from what I understand, it's about this group of dead people that are walking around and, and they're trying to make other people like them, like dead people. Anybody that's watched it, you can nod your head. You're not going to admit it. That's awesome. But it's very similar to what Paul has said, right? This is what happens to a person outside of Christ. We might be walking around. We might appear to have life. But Paul said, until we die to ourselves, and until we allow Jesus to reign in our lives, we're dead. 
until we experience the power of the resurrection in our lives, we're dead. Last week we talked about uh, that big fancy church word called justification. Justification is the act of, of God removing guilt and removing the penalty of sin from us when we place our faith in Jesus. And when we do that, justification means just as if we've never sinned. And that's only made possible by the complete payment for our sins at Calvary. When He died on the cross, He secured the payment uh, for our sins. And when He was resurrected from the grave, He secured our payment. You see, the way I understand it, without the resurrection, the payment for sins on the cross would have been paid for with a, with a bounced check. Or a credit card that was maxed out or whatever. It would, wouldn't have been any good had He not risen from the grave. It just would have been another guy that died. Some crazy guy. But when He rose from the dead, it changed everything. The payment was secured. And the resurrection now allows us to live this transformed life. We live a transformed life. If you're taking notes, that's the third point. If we're in Christ, the penalty of our sin has been paid for. If we're in Christ, the chains that, that once kept us enslaved have been broken. And now we have this new life. But here's the deal. Satan wants us to stay in our old life, right? He wants us to live this defeated, lifeless, meaningless, purposeless life. But because we have died to ourselves and we've been buried with Christ in baptism, the Bible says we are transformed. We're a new creation. We're a new person. This is how Paul put it in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And so while Christ saves us when we surrender our lives to Him, and, and while the old junk from our lives is forgiven and forgotten about, now... Uh, the becoming new is, is a part, it's a process. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just give our lives to Christ, we get baptized, and boom, we're just automatically super spiritual, right? Wouldn't that be nice if that happened that way? That's not the way that it happens at all. We are born into a new life. We're spiritual babies. Again, we're back to the baptistry being a tomb and a womb, right? And every single day we wake up, we have to decide, how are we going to live our lives today? Am I going to die to myself today and live for Jesus, or am I going to live for myself? That's the choice that we have to make every single day. See, what happens in the churches a lot of times is people think, all right, I made that decision. I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized. I'm good to go. Guys, that's just the beginning. That's not the end. That is the, well, it's one end of it, but it's the beginning of it. You're just getting started. And you have to wake up every single day and you have to decide, I'm going to die to myself today. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to have the lead today. I have to decide. Ron's going to get out of the way today and let the Holy Spirit transform me into who He wants me to be and what He wants me to be. We can never forget that. There's a story about Margaret Thatcher. She was visiting a retirement center one time while she was serving as the Prime Minister of England. She walked around visiting with residents. She's shaking hands with everybody. And, and there was one old lady in the retirement home that didn't seem to recognize who Margaret Thatcher was. And, and Margaret Thatcher said, well, do you know who I am? And the woman replied, no, but if you ask the nurse, she usually knows. 
Uh, now, that might have hit too close to home for some, I don't know. But in Christ, we are to intentionally forget who we were, forget our old self, die to our old self, and live in this new identity that we have in Jesus. Paul instructed the Galatians that following Jesus means letting go uh, uh, of our old selves and letting them die so that we might be completely new and live in this new self. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. If Christ lives in you, then He needs to be the center of your life. He's not just an add-on to everything else that you're doing. He needs to be the center of your life. Right? If you found new life in Christ, why would you want to continue to allow sin to enslave you and just work Jesus in wherever you can fit Him in. When you come to Christ, you are set free. And the Bible says you are to become an instrument of righteousness, no longer bound to sin and self. And Jesus becomes your life. I think part of the problem with Christians, especially in America, is that we try, we try to fit Jesus in where we can. You know? Hey, Ron, you don't understand. Man, I've got a job that I'm just so busy. I work so hard. And you, you, don't, you have no idea how many hours I put in. And I don't have time to get up in the morning. And I don't have time, you know, at night. I'm just absolutely exhausted. I can't read the Bible. I can't go to church. I can't pray. I don't have time for that. Ron, you don't understand. My kids come first and they're involved in this activity and that activity and all that. And by the time I do everything else that's on my plate trying to put Jesus first in my life, that's just really hard. Guys, Jesus Christ has given us everything. And He deserves for us to give Him everything in return. He deserves for us to live sacrificially. He laid down His life for you. Will you lay down your life for Him? His life for mine. Back in 2007, astonishing thing happened in New York City. A construction worker by the name of Wesley Autry was standing on a subway platform. His two young daughters were standing beside him waiting on a train. Suddenly, another man on a platform apparently suffered a seizure and fell off the platform onto the tracks of the subway. Just at that moment, um, Wesley Autry looked down the way and he saw the lights coming of an approaching train in the subway tunnel. Acting quickly, no thought for himself, Wesley Autry jumped onto the tracks to rescue the man that was lying on the tracks by dragging him out of the way of the train. Well, he couldn't get him out of the way. He was just too heavy. He was too much. You know how dead weight is. He just couldn't, couldn't move it. And he knew, if I don't do something quick, we're both toast. And so he immediately pushed the man down into the hollowed out space between the tracks and laid across him to protect him as the train 
passed over the two of them. The train came within mere inches of him. It came close enough to leave grease marks up the back of his sweatshirt. And when the train came to a halt, Wesley called up to the frightened onlookers on the platform, said, hey, there's two little girls up there that are my daughters. Let them know that I'm okay. Immediately, and for good reason, Wesley Autry became a national hero. People were moved by his selflessness that a guy would jump down onto the track and do something like that on the spur of the moment. What, what Wesley did on that particular day was a remarkable act of courage, a remarkable act of self-sacrifice for a person that he didn't even know. And he had no obvious reason to help this stranger. He didn't know the man. He had his young daughters to think about. And he risked his life to help someone. All he saw was a human being who was in desperate need and he moved with compassion. He did what he could do to save him. The press called him the Subway Superman. The Harlem Hero. But the headline that one newspaper chose to use described Wesley Autry in biblical terms. It read, Good Samaritan saves man on subway tracks. And what that says to me is that even when the secular world sees selfless living for other people, they know that it points to Jesus. Guys, that's, that's what He's calling us to do. To die to ourselves. And be alive in Christ and serve other people. When the world sees us living selflessly, it's going to point them to Jesus. It's not our buildings. It's not our, our worship. It's not our, our programming. It's when the world sees us dying to ourselves and living for Him. And if you haven't already done that, we encourage you to consider that today. Would you consider dying to yourself today? And being buried with Christ in the waters of baptism, if you haven't done that, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. If you're watching online and, and you'd like to respond to that, would you text the word READY to our church connection number that's on the screen? We'll get back with you as soon as we possibly can and we'd love to talk to you about what it means to surrender your life to Jesus and start on this new incredible journey where you are alive in Christ, if you've already made the decision to follow Christ, would you, would you decide today, would you commit today to saying, listen, I'm going to, every single day of my life, I'm going to get up and I'm going to die to self. Every day. Because He gave everything for you. He gave His life for yours. Would you do the same? Let's stand together and let's pray.